I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 96. Men's health is an important issue in the treatment of IBD. Many of the voices in the IBD patient community come from women. That leaves a gap when it comes to understanding the journey that men take through diagnosis and treatment and what their concerns are as they enter into relationships, start a career, and become fathers. That brings me to my guest, Jordan McConnell, the founder of Crohn's Veteran. As you might guess, Jordan served in the military, but was eventually discharged due to his Crohn's disease. But his IBD journey takes some twists and turns between his diagnosis as a teen and his career in the Air Force. Jordan is the father of a young son, and his life is considerably different than what he expected. However, each time he faced the unpredictable, he found purpose and meaning. When he went looking for a space in the IBD community that reflected his unique concerns, he didn't find one. So he created it in the Crohn's Veteran podcast and social media platforms. Get ready to take in Jordan's story because it is an adventure. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on about IBD. Thank you for having me, Amber. I'm happy to be here. I really appreciate the show that you do that's called Crohn's Veteran. I'm a fan, listen all the time. So I feel like I know you already, but it could be the first time that my listeners are hearing from you. So I wonder if you would do me a favor and tell me a little bit about your diagnosis journey. Sure. Um, I was diagnosed in uh, ninth grade when I was 14 years old. I was uh, I was staying at a friend's house. I had, I had some fast food like that that for that, that that Friday evening, and we were hanging out playing video games. And I got a really really bad stomach ache, and that stomach ache just it was a, it was the worst stomach ache of my entire life. And and um and it, it just didn't go away until and so, and so the next morning, my step my stepmother who's a who's a fertility doctor, you know, her and my dad uh, determined that I needed to go to the hospital. And so they took me to the hospital. And uh, once I was there, the uh, doctor started pushing around on my stomach. And then and he, and he pushed on the, I guess, the lower right side of my abdomen, and, and, it, and that's where it was hurting pretty bad. And based on, I guess, my reaction, um, they uh, told me to pretty much strip down where I was standing, and um, and then and they get into a um, you know, hospital gown with my butt out and everything like that. And so, they, and then they wheeled me into the operating room, you know, you know put a uh, mask on my face, and had me count back to ten. And I remember I was asking about all the, you know, equipment and everything, but. And I'm I'm speaking fast, but that's because it happened fast. It's all within the span of about five or ten minutes. I was, you know, in surgery and stuff like that, and then woke up in another room, and um, and my appendix had been taken out, and six inches of my colon had been taken out, and I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Wait, you were fourteen? Correct. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that you were so young. Yeah, so like so like right before uh, Halloween uh, in ninth grade. Holy cow! So. Basically, he saw your reaction, either that or he felt something, right? Yeah. When he was palpating mm-hmm. your abdomen and mm-hmm. immediately brought you into surgery. And Correct. they probably just thought it was appendicitis. Do you think that's accurate? And then they found Crohn's while they were in there? <laughs> correct, correct, correct. So I found all the information. And so I have, so I have this, like this gigantic, gigantic scar, you know, on my stomach, you know. And so I think a lot of people that get their appendix removed, it's the kind of, kind of procedure where it doesn't, you know, leave a pretty good mark. But for me, it's, yeah, pretty huge because they didn't know what was wrong. This was more like exploratory emergency surgery to kind of, you know, find out, you know, what was wrong. And then that's what it was. And so it was Crohn's disease. Wow. How did your parents deal with that at the time? It was a lot. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I remember my mom 
had come to visit me, you know, from a uh, from a Texas and stuff, and uh, you know, and 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 it was just a lot. It was just a lot for everybody. And um, I was, uh, I think, I was in the hospital for about a week. I was at home for maybe a week or two, and then, um, but surprisingly, I was healthy, kind of after that for a while, for a long while. Really? So, what kind of treatment did they put you on? To be honest, Amber. Um, None. If I recall, if I recall after that surgery, when I was 14, I was not on any medication or any treatment, like post-op post treatment that, that I can recall. Like I, like I literally remember just going back to school like a few weeks later, like, like, like it never happened. Oh, wow. So then what happened after that? I, I am guessing yeah. that you had no understanding or you weren't helped to understand what no, Crohn's I, was and that it was chronic and yeah, yeah yeah all the yeah all these things were foreign to me you're correct and so you know I just you know I, I it was kind of a, almost an abstract knowledge like an abstract you know understanding of what of, of you know of the chronic condition of it of it all yeah and so it wasn't until like 14 years later that I, you know that I actually um, got sick and I've been dealing with you know ongoing symptoms ever since so there's so there's kind of a so in, in that 14 years of time, a lot happened. <laughs> yeah, between between 14 and 28, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So take me through. You go through high school. What happens then? Yeah, so um, I, I graduated high school uh, from, from Austin, Texas in uh, 99. So I guess I'm dating myself a little bit. But, um, and, so, but uh, and then I uh, moved back to Las Vegas and... Uh, I was at a high school for a couple of years. I was, you know, working as a uh, bank teller at at a couple of banks and stuff. And um, and my and my dad was like, you know, kind of kind of put the bug in my ear about the military, and I resisted I resisted it, you know, at first a little bit, but eventually I kind of saw, you know, the opportunity in it, and I took it upon myself to uh, take, you know, this the city bus all the way across Las Vegas and stuff, and um, you know, and uh, and go to the um, the recruiter and stuff, and take the, uh, as the ASVAPs, um, test, I think it's called the aptitude test and everything for the military. And, um, and so, I know, and so I did, I did well enough to get into the air force. And, and so the, and so the recruiter actually took me to the airport. Yeah. And then I went to Salt Lake city and San Antonio and all these things. And yeah, so I actually did my entire, I did, um, five years active duty every day in the military, in the air force. Um, I was a staff sergeant. And then I did uh, a year in the California Nas Air National Guard. Um, and then I did uh, two and a half years in the uh, Nebraska National Guard before I got sick again. Right. So I have zero knowledge about any of this. So I have lots of questions. Sure. When you were going through the recruitment process, did they ask you health questions or did you have a physical exam of any kind? Yeah, and MEPS. And so it's called MEPS. And, um, and that's what Salt Lake City was. And so... And so they, uh, they, so they have you like do like a vision test, a hearing test. And so they, and so, and so they asked me about the, uh, scar on my stomach. And I was like, and I told them the truth is I, I, I had my appendix taken out. And so, and that, and that was, and that was that. And so, <laughs> and they're, they're like, okay, well, it's, you know, they're like, they're like, that's a pretty big scar for an appendix. I'm like, well, that was, it, was, it happened when I was a kid. And they're like, okay. And they're like, okay, next. And so that, and that was, and that was it. And so, and, um, you know, I served, you know, and I, and I was, cause I was healthy at the time. I was healthy, you know, as normal as a normal guy can be. I could, you know, duck walk in my underwear backwards and all these things that they wanted you to do. And so like, and so, um, 
you know, and all the crazy stories you hear about that physical or true or whatever. And so, um, it's, it's kind of a surreal experience. And so, but yeah, but I was, but I was, you know, healthy enough to join and, um, and I wanted to join and I, you know, and I served, you know, all the way up until I couldn't. And interestingly enough, you know, I'm about, I think about two to three weeks out from, if I didn't get sick, I'd be at 20 years, I'd be retiring. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Mm-hmm. So what happened though? You started having symptoms again and then what was the thing that sent you back to or sent you to a doctor and then what happened in terms of your career at that point? Yeah, correct. So yeah, so I was in the Air National Guard. So I was um I think I was working at like Cox Cable at the time and um as a, like a little like tech support rep and stuff and um but also I was still in the Air National Guard. So that was a, that a, that itself was was kind of a a weird experience because I would be, you know, cursed out about cable during the week and then people calling me sir on the weekends and stuff like that. <laughs> so um, it's very, it was very funny. But um, and so I think about March or April of uh, 2009, I just uh, started getting, I just started getting sick. I mean, my, I started getting really bad stomach aches. And so unlike when I was 14, it was, it wasn't just like a weekend. It was like ongoing kind of, you know, um, terrible situation. And so it just got kind of progressively worse. And you know, I'm, or, or I should say that I'm one of those people that try to um, resist going to the doctor to the very last minute type thing. And so like, you know, I can tough it out type thing. And so, and with that being said, I went to the emergency room four times in one year, just based on pain alone type oh. thing. And so I like to the point to where like, oh, I can't take it anymore. I have to go to the hospital. Yeah. You know, you know, type thing, you know, there's no, you know, there's no way this is, you know, unbearable type thing and so and that happened like four separate times and so like in the third time i was uh admitted to the hospital actually admitted and i think i, and I had a temporary uh ileostomy put in which is kind of like a i guess a temporary bypass that you that you kind of eliminate through eliminate into like a like, like a bag and stuff and then the fourth time i was admitted i actually had this surgery and I, I, had, I had another surgery and so i had another 18 inches of my colon taken out and then um my ileum uh, taken out and the ileum kind of uh regulates um a, a, uh, absorption of, well, I think, I think body fat and stuff like that. So how did that all work being that you were on active duty? So pretty much what happened is that I started like, uh, eventually I was start, I started missing drills. I think that, I think that that fourth time I, I was actually admitted to the hospital, my commander, um, cause so this was in Omaha. Well, so all this stuff happened in Omaha, Nebraska, by the way. And so, and so am I, am I, uh, military duty was in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is about 45 minutes uh, south southwest um, of Omaha and stuff in Nebraska. And so my commander, uh, this uh, African-American uh, captain, um, actually uh, drove up to Omaha to see me in the hospital when, when after the surgery and everything. And I remember telling him, like, you know, hey, sir, you know, I'm ready to come back. You know, I, you know, I can't wait to, you know, finish out my tour, all that stuff. And he was like, you know, he was really you know, supportive and cool and, you know, nice. And I really appreciated him showing up and I still do. And so, but I think after that, I got like a letter in the mail saying that, you know, it's been deemed that you cannot be in places with limited medical supplies. And so, which means you can't deploy, you know, you, 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 know, you, you came in the middle of nowhere and, you know, Afghanistan or whatever. And if that's, and if that's, if that's the case, if you're non-deployable, that's not, you know, that's not good. And so, cause the whole reason 
people have IT jobs or logistics jobs like I did, you know, like at, um, you know, all these bases in the United States, it's just a practice for when you deploy. And so, um, and I wasn't able to do that. And so after that letter, maybe like a short time after, I got a um, uh, envelope from FedEx with an honorable discharge in it. That must have been shocking. Was that shocking? It was, it was, it was pretty, sh- the, the, how anticlimactic it was was pretty shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Yeah, because, so you had this long career and Let you it, were yeah. valued, but mm-hmm. then this didn't warrant, I don't know, a face-to-face meeting or a, like even a phone call. You get a letter in the, by FedEx, no less. Yeah, literally. I mean, so when I left uh, Langley Air Force Base when I was active duty um, in Virginia, I mean, there was, you know, in fairness, I, I had a whole going away party. There was a big, you know, uh, poster with like everybody signed with like airplanes and stuff on it. And like, I got like a silver dollar and all the, all kind of cool stuff happened. But that was, but, but, but then fast forward to you know, the, the Air National Guard in Nebraska and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I think it was just, yeah, it was just so anticlimactic. It was, yeah, just, you know, just literally the certificate, the honorable discharge. That was it. That was, that was literally. Uh, I mean, it might have been like, oh, yeah, and then maybe my service record was in there, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? It felt like it felt like, you know, I had been laid off from a job type thing. Yeah. You know, like, you know, that instead of having the option to say, you know, I want, I want to go, go a different direction myself, like someone made that decision for you, you know, and that's like, you know, it's kind of a bummer, you know, when you, you know, like, yeah, so it would have been nice to have been able to uh, say, you know, I'm ready to do something else as opposed to, you know, kind of being, you know, not given the choice, but and then again, you know, I'm still very grateful for everything that I was able to do in the military. Like, you know, my all, you know, a lot of the things I'm doing right now in my life are directly, you know, tied to that experience type thing. So I'm, you know, I'm still grateful. It's just like, man, you know, I wish I could have finished it out. Yeah, sure, of course. And is there any recourse? Is there? I don't think I've known anybody else that's had this experience. So I'm just curious if you Hmm. even know if there's anything that could be done because like you couldn't continue with a desk job, for instance. Correct. I mean, because, you know, I've, you know, I've known of, you know, I I don't know personally, but I've seen stories in the media of, you know, uh, combat, you know, people that have, you know, been in combat have gotten, you know, limbs, you know, they've, they've been, you know, you know, like injured in combat, purple hearts and stuff, you know, so the, so the guy or the girl might, you know, have like an arm or a leg missing and, you know, and they're still, you know, like a drill instructor or something, you know? So like, and so, you know, so I don't, I, I just don't know, but I think it was, that was, that was the reasoning for me was that I think the medical supply thing just being non-deployable, but yeah, it's as far as recourse, you know, if anybody hears this, hears this show and has some ideas and, you know, was it, <laughs> you, know, feel, you know, feel free to reach out to me type thing. Yeah. I think you're only the second person that I've ever talked to that's had this experience where it was, you know, very quickly diagnosis and then being discharged. And Mm. there really doesn't seem to be like a path to discuss it with anybody or to move forward with sort of appealing. Like, I don't even know what you would do, but it does seem very, I mean, I, I get it. Like it makes sense, but at the same time you had such a long career and it just seems like, um, like you said, anticlimactic. (laughs) Right, right, right. Like kind of a little fizzle, and so, um, yeah, cause I would have been, I think after that time, I mean, I would have been at 11 years before I reenlisted. So, you know, so like, cause I, I listed for four years and then I, and, and then listed for another four years. Yeah. And then, I, and then I did the first year 
And then I was like, actually, I think I want to join the Air National Guard. You know, I kind of, I, I kind of want to be able to, you know, explore more of the world a little bit, you know. And so, and so, and I remember at the time they said, well, you can do that, but you know, if you, but since you have three years left, you have to do two years for every for every year you have left in the Air National Guard. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool, that's fine, and so that's what I did. And then so that was so that was you know, um, so I did five years plus six years, and then but before that, you know, at the eleventh, I think I think I got back. I think around eight and a half years in. What did you do after that? I didn't really have much time to, you know, process the enor- the enormity of it all. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but I um, I got a different job. You know, I probably, probably one of the biggest things that changed pretty shortly thereafter that is that I didn't have it in me to listen to people complain about their cable anymore. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> and so, and so um, I had a good time. I learned a whole lot, you know, fixing, you know, uh, cable, internet, phone, all that stuff. But, um, I just, um, yeah, that was, I was ready for something else. And so the, probably the biggest change was that trying to, um, you know, just move on with my career. And so, um, so I, I got a job at, um, I think of like an outsourcing company doing it for them. And then, um, and then I actually got probably the biggest thing and just, just really just trying to move, move on my career, you know, so, so probably after the air force, one of my, um, goals in life was to match, match what I match uh, the kind of level of what I'd done in the Air Force and in, 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 in the civilian world, I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, and um, and, and I worked at the uh, like, like a network operations center, and I was an administrator for like a hundred thousand people at fifteen Air Force bases and, and other things all over all, all over the world, and um, I, like like you had to have like, had like a top secret clearance in the room to where I worked in, and like when my dad came in, they they covered the screens and all that kind of stuff. It was like really like secret squirrel type thing, and so so like and so I wanted, and, I, and not only that. Um, as a staff sergeant at the time, I was paid okay, right? And so, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, you know, if I could create this type of vibe, you know, this type of, you know, I have a cool job with cool money and, you know, in the civilian world, you know, that's what I'm trying to aim at. And so that took a really long time, but I can, I can say that I've done it. Um, but, but, um, but it started, you know, with working at the outsourcing company and then I got my, my bachelor's degree and then, um, and the bachelor's degree, like really kind of really catapulted me up because in, in Omaha, that's kind of a, at least, at least in my experience, that was a you know, you, Omaha has a really, really low unemployment rate. You know, everybody you can really, really get a good, uh, you know, a job there if you want one. But as far as the quality of that job, how much that job pays, is, is heavily determined on your education. And so, with me, you know, IT guy and stuff, I actually got a degree in human human resources and personnel and like administration and stuff. And um, and with that, I said like no tech degree and no at the time tech certifications. And um, and I and, and I and I got hired as the um, network administrator and client support for a for a, for a, for a capital firm down in downtown Omaha. Getting a bachelor's degree matters, type thing. And so, um, because it, it it definitely definitely helped me. You know, for Crohn's though, uh, something that's definitely changed in the last uh, few years is kind of the stuff like this. You know, sharing my story. And so, um, and so, and so that's why I you know I spent uh, probably a year. Um, just go go get an Instagram and, and just kind of deciding to be the change I wanted to see to, to, to see in the world. You know, there wasn't I, it wasn't easy to find uh, African American guys or girls or you know uh, people like to that were t- talking about IBD. You know, like not, maybe not um, just at all. Like that was you know the very it's a very small audience, very very small audience of people. And so like and so I was like, okay, well that's you know if that's the case, you know there might be another you know somebody like me out there that's looking for that. 
And so, and, and so I want to be the change I want to see in the world. And so, um, so that's, that's what I did. And so for the first year or so, I just kind of just shared just kind of my life, you know, a little bit. And then, um, and then about a year later, I started, I started my own podcast, Crohn's Veteran, a lifestyle brand and everything. And, and so we're, I think about 44 episodes in, um, you know, we've, 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 inter- we've, inter- we've probably done about three dozen interviews, really, really, really proud of the show. And, um, I'm really happy with my co-hosts, uh, CJ Cabrera and Renika Wood. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing people that, uh, uh CJ has ulcerative colitis and Renika has Crohn's disease. And, um, and so, and so the three of us just, you know, uh, talk about, you know, you know, how to kind of live your best life, you know, with, you know, you know, with these, you know, conditions and also, you know, allowing, allowing people to have a platform to share their own experiences that, which is not always, you know, so easy to find. There's a lot of different ways to get into the patient advocacy world in the IBD space. What made you decide on podcasting? I, you know, for for the exact, pretty much for the same reason that um, there was, you know, I I was looking at for you know for Crohn's podcasts, of the ones that you know that are still making episodes, which is only which is very very few. Again, there was um there's there's like no diversity in that. There's no diversity of voices really, and so like you know mm-hmm. you know and so I think it was just you know like a a few maybe a few women you know so it wasn't even like you know maybe even guys you know or maybe like. Like one guy, a couple, you know, a couple, you know, a few women or something. I was like, man, like, where's everybody at, kind of thing. And so, like, and so, like, and so, um, because I, I know there's hundreds of thousands or millions of people all over the world, you know, you know, and they have this condition, you know. And so, like, so if that's the case, you know, you know, it's kind of like, well, I want to be that again. I'm like, I want to be that change. And not only that is, um, the reason I chose a podcast is that it's kind of embracing the uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I have a speech impediment a little bit. I stutter sometimes, and so, like. Um, so just the idea of like getting on camera, um, talking on camera, um, I'm, I'm really comfortable talking in person in front of people, but, uh, but, but getting on camera talking and, uh, you know, just doing stuff like this is kind of outside my comfort zone. So I chose podcasting to kind of intentionally grow, I guess. That's amazing. I love that answer mm-hmm. so much. Um, and I enjoy your show very Thank much. You. Uh, you. Your voices are so impactful. And I love the guests that you find and the questions that you ask, because they are things that I wouldn't ask guests. So I just I just love listening. And it has expanded my knowledge of the community so much. So let's talk for a minute, though. We're doing a Father's Day episode. Yeah. And because I follow you on the Instagrams <laughs> and I love seeing when you post photos of your son. Thank you. So he's so cute. Oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think so, too. But I'm, a, I'm a little biased. You're a little biased. Well, OK. I don't know if I'm objective, but yeah. I can tell you he's very he's very cute. Tell me a little bit about him. What's it? What's it like to be a father? Yeah, and so I mean, it's it, life is interesting, and so you know, I you know, since I have you know, had, had, had active active Crohn's disease and everything, and I had this you know, all these you know, I, you know, active symptoms and everything like that, I was saying to myself, well, wow, you know, you know, having kids, who I'm tired and sick now, like you know, I don't want to, you know, like <laughs> wow, that could, that, I don't know about all of that, and so, but you know, I guess you know. Uh, life happens when you make plans, Amber, as they say. And and mm-hmm. so um, it just so happened that, uh, you know, we woke up one day in October in uh, 2014 and um, my wife came home, I think from work and my, and my wife was like, 
uh, you know, I think I'm pregnant. And I, I'm like, 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 I remember, like, I think I remember, like, laughing and like, wow, that's you know, that's just kind of like life happens and stuff. Like, and so, and so, but she's like, okay, well, well I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a pregnancy test, and then, and she's like, oh, it's positive, so I'm, so I'm gonna go to the doctor on Monday. I'm like, okay, cool. And so, and so then, like, so she was at the doctor on Monday, and then she, and then she comes home and she's like, yeah, actually, we're having a kid in six weeks. Wait, what? Yeah. So. Oh my gosh! What did you do? How do you plan? <laughs> Yeah, we did. You know, we went from you know, like, like a life comes at you fast type thing, and so, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so yeah, so we had no time to we had no time to you know panic, fret, worry, you know, like any of that kind of stuff because you know we had you know six weeks before this little dude popped into the world, and so um, yeah, so we were in a one bedroom apartment, you know, just like hanging out, like going on dates and stuff, and you know, but we, we had been together for like already three years and. You know, we we're, we're, you know, we were like engaged. You know, doing, we we're doing all these normal, all these normal things, and uh, and he and he, you know, popped up into the, you know, but yeah. But so, um, but fortunately, you know, he, you know, given that he we had no notice on the, the pretty much the entire pregnancy, you know, he, he he's you know, uh, you know, fine. He has no 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 allergies. You know, he has all he, he has all of his teeth. I think you know, he, so like <laughs> so like, so um so he's a he's a normal he's a normal little you know he's you know he's fine he's fine healthy. Fine, healthy little guy, and so I'm. Um, you know, we're very, very happy. You know, you know, he's a he's a joy to be around and all that stuff. And so, um, you know, he's about to graduate kindergarten here this week. That was unique. And so, you know, COVID and everything. You know, he did like he did like remote learning and stuff. And so that was, well, yeah. But that's it. And so I mean, but yeah, but he's yeah, but he's uh, he's amazing. He's fun. Like you know, we you know we hang out together. Like, um, and you know, and he makes you know having you know Crohn's disease. You know. No, I'm stuck a lot less. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> suck a lot less. <laughs> mm-hmm. So before you had your son, you thought maybe it would be really difficult to live with a chronic illness and then also be a parent. Correct. Has your mind changed about that? Or, or what are some of the challenges that you have? Yeah, I mean, the, the challenges is that um, because, you know, the, the symptoms with Crohn's disease, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fatigue. It's, you know, it's diarrhea. It's, you know, all these, you know, it's all these, you know, hor- not, uh, drain, kind of draining kind of symptoms and stuff. And so I was like, so I, so I remember being worried, you know, like, oh man, can I go outside, you know, and play ball and all these things. But the reality is, is that, mm. you know, we've had a pretty good time and, you know, and he, uh, the, probably one of the coolest things, Amber, is that, you know, is that he, um, well, he's told his like his teachers and stuff like that, like, like my dad's the owner of Crohn's veteran and stuff like that. And so, you know, so that's pretty rad because it's just like a passion project of mine and stuff. And so, um, and so it's so him being that proud of it, you know, that he's telling other people about it is really, really cool. That's so sweet. So you already talked about how you went looking for people like you in the IBD space mm-hmm. and you couldn't find them because it's not a surprise or a mystery that the advocacy community is pretty much dominated by women. Mm-hmm. So what what are we missing? What are we missing about men's health that you think needs to be brought into the forefront more when we're talking about IBD? Well, I, I just, voices, you know, just men's voices, you know, just um, there's a, there's a several people that you know that I you know follow on Instagram and and, on, and other places and I think just you know uh, you know you know engaging with those people, finding those people. Like I think that some of the uh, bigger foundations and bigger organizations, they could you know I think it'd be beneficial to uh, find and engage with you know you know people 
men from, you know, just uh, different parts of the world and stuff, you know, especially the African-American community, you know, Hispanic community, um, you know, other, you know, other, um, you know, uh, communities, um, you know, trans communities, stuff like that, people, you know, other folks with Crohn's and everything, you know, those, those type of men, I think, you know, you know uh, getting, getting their, getting their voices would be very valuable because I think uh, one, one of the biggest uh, problems with Crohn's disease is that it's so isolating. And, um, and even though that, you know, you know, maybe about 3 million people or so might have the United States, you know, that's so, you know, there's 300, what, 10 million people in our country or 370 million people or whatever. So, um, so that's still, you know, it may seem like a lot, but not really. And so, and so, so, so being able to go online or go on a resource or, and, and actually see somebody like, oh man, this person, you know, has a similar story to mine, you know, what did, what did they do to cope? You know, you know, what did they do to get through, you know, maybe I can learn from them or engage them. Um, you know, and maybe even, you know, make, you know, make a, you know, a new connection with somebody. I wonder if you have any ideas about how we can engage more men, because I'll tell you something that I see a lot is that I see women coming into different spaces, you know, Facebook groups or what have you. And they'll say, I have this question. It is my husband, my father, my son. So the women are coming in and asking these questions on behalf of, you know, their partner or their son or their father. Mm -hmm. How can we get the men to come into the spaces and and ask their own questions? How can we make men more comfortable? Right. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, you know, like interviews like 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 this one. You know, like um, you know, people like myself and you know, and other people like I said, my co-hosts, other people on you know, Instagram and the IBD community, just um, being out there and um, getting on camera and talking about it. Like I think it's, you know, I like I think um, it's easy just to post a picture and you know, and do a caption and everything, but you know, but actually, you know, getting up and kind of you know, giving your testimony, I think you know, will I think will help people, you know, be more comfortable you know, and get engaging with others because they, you know, this guy is okay talking about it. Maybe, you know, I'm okay, you know, talking, talking about it too. And, you know, and just, as it again, and of course, you know, anybody can reach out to me, you know, anybody can reach out to any of my co-hosts or anything like that, you know, they want to talk or, you know, and I'd be more than happy to, you know, help you myself or, you know, or point you in the right direction too. I see a lot of tips all the time for moms with IBD. Of course, I'm one of the co-founders of IBD Moms, so I write those tips a lot. I don't see a lot about tips for IBD dads. Like, what do you think? What are some tips that you would have now that you're uh, you were kind of uh, thrown into parenting? Um, so you're probably actually a really good person to give tips on being a father and living with Crohn's disease. Yeah, I, well, thank you. Um, that's uh, that's a good that's a good question. I would say, you know, what I what I've learned is that um, as early as possible, you know, educating, you know, educating your son or your daughter about you know, you know, kind of what you go through and stuff, and so they can start and kind of get used to. You know, if you have to, you know, lay down, if you have to, you know, take it, you know, take take it easy, or you maybe you're planning on doing something, you weren't able to do it. Just you know, kind of you know, teaching your kid, teaching your child empathy and compassion, you know, for you know for your condition and. And also, you know, showing them that, you know, also the strength of that, you know, of powering through and overcoming that condition, too. I think that's right. I think that kids of parents who live with a chronic illness are sometimes more empathic. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? I, I think that's true. And I think that's true because, um, you know, I, th- I would say that me and my, my wife are pretty you know, em- empathetic people, too. And so I think we've so yeah, so our our son is really very very in tune with you know people's emotions and people's vibes and stuff like that. So I would yeah I would agree with that. 
Yeah. And it sounds like he's already very proud of you and the work that you do, which is amazing. That's really fantastic. I mean, it, you know, it kind of gives you a warm fuzzy, you know, when, you know, it, you know, when you, you know, think that, you know, it's just a little something that you're working on and somebody's like, yeah, my dad is like, it's like a whole, you know, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's like your brand ambassador already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, like I should, you know, I should, you know, I should have it like, like, like it's on a COVID insurance for, for, for kindergarten. That'd be, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Ask me about my dad's Crohn's. <laughs> Exactly. Jordan, you have had so many careers. You've learned how to do so many things through your military career and then afterward, setting aside being yelled at by the cable people. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say to people who are living with a chronic illness, who are looking to pursue their dreams and to forge their own path? Do you have any advice or words of wisdom for them? Yes. Yes. I would say that, you know, with you know, that um, don't compare yourself to others as a general rule, and especially with IBD, and um, because um, it's an invisible illness. And so, you know, so you say, and so you may see somebody that, you know, is uh, younger than you or older than you, or, you know, or has, you know, more material items or whatever it is, you know, just, you know, do not compare yourself to other people. And and also, you know, don't give up, you know, just, you know, um, practice, you know, to me, it's called like that movie, True Grit. You know, you, and with I think with IBD, you kind of have to patch a little bit of you know um, gritty determination, you know, of um, never giving up on your dreams. And so, you know, with I'm also an entrepreneur with a couple of startups, um, and so uh, those required even when I was sick, even when I was not feeling well, to you know to just water that tree a little bit every single day. And so, and so I would encourage everybody out there, no matter how bad it gets, you know, never let your dreams die. So what's next for Crohn's veteran? I um growing the show. And so, you know, my we have a few different things that we're working on. And so um, you know, you know, one of them is the uh the dream or the goal of creating an IBD retreat. And so like you know, so I think that'd be really fun. You know, we can I know if you're interested in talking about that, you know, I mean I'm more than happy to do so. But you know, but just the idea of having maybe, you know, vendors or you know, and mental health people or you know, uh, medical liaisons or, you know, IBD friendly food and stuff. Or what I think it just be kind of a, you know, you know, creating, you know, creating a, um, a place for people that can come together and, uh, connect and, you know, connect and meet and meet each other. Um, but as far as the show goes and the brand goes, you know, we're, you know, we're, uh, I'm adding, I'm adding new stuff to the, you know, to, to our store. So I encourage everybody to, to check out the Crohn's veteran, uh, Teespring store. We have great stuff for Crohn's and colitis, and so, um, so you can get your Crohn's gear on there. I'm going to be adding hats and some other some other cool things on there too. And uh, so check that out. I'm, I think I'm going to well, we're going to be expanding the website. You know, and making just making that better, and because um, it's kind of like a, just a placeholder type thing, just for people can so people can hang out and see what we're doing. I want to interview people and be interviewed by uh, non IBD. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of do both. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to I want to interview, of course. I love interviewing people with IBD and hearing their stories. It's why it's why it's why I do what I do, but also just in the interest of awareness, mm-hmm. you know, if we're you know, if we're talking to just if we're talking to people with with IBD, it can be a little bit of an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and so, um, so the idea is to 
um, reach out and find and find people. And we're, we're looking for sponsorships. So if anybody's listening to this, you know, we, you know, Crohn's veteran, Jordan McConnell, interested in a sponsor. You know, we're out here just trying to just, just trying to trying to grow, you know, create, you know, create revenue streams. The idea is to actually, I, I heard some, you know, uh, good marketing advice. Uh, there's this guy named David Meltzer and uh, that I listened to and um, on Instagram and he was saying that, you know, make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And so that's what I want to do with uh, Crohn's Veteran. I want to create a lot of money for it. I could, you know, allow that to help, you know, to impact a lot of people. And so, and so, and so, so creating revenue streams that, you know, in order to do so. I love these ideas. So I'm so glad you're in this space. Take me through your social media, though, and your website so that everyone can find you, especially if they have sponsorship opportunities for you. Yeah, yeah definitely. You can, you know, for, for, for sponsorship opportunities, um, you can uh, reach out to me at Jordan at Crohn's Veteran, C-R-O-H-N-S-V-E-T-E-R-A-N.com. Um, I, you know, our website is www.cronesveteran.com. My my Instagram, this is pretty creative, is at Crohn's Veteran. And then, and then the, and then our our actual podcast page is at official veteran, and so um so so you can uh we we also have a um YouTube channel uh and so we're 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 on all, all the uh, podcast platforms Apple Google Spotify Anchor and all that kind of good stuff and so we're also on Twitch we do uh, Twitch live streams you know gaming you know if anybody wants to you know game with me um you know my PlayStation handle is Crohn's Veteran also so you can you know you can reach out to me on that we can game. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'm out here just trying to, trying to grow the brand. And, you know, I said, I'm a business person, an entrepreneur. I'm also uh, a chief product officer for two tech startups. And so, um, in addition to being an IT guy and also a cross veteran podcast person. So, you know, please reach out to me. Um, I'm, do- I'm doing a few things and I would love to, you know, meet people and connect and see, see what we can do and be of service to each other. Jordan, you are a very busy man. Thank you so much for talking with me about all of these issues and for telling me more about Crohn's Veteran. It has been amazing to watch you grow your brand. And of course, I do listen to your show. I don't usually watch because I'm not really like a video person. I am over 40, but I definitely listen and I've enjoyed it very much. So thank you so much for your voice and thank you so much for talking with me. Well, thank you, Amber, for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Hey, super listener. Thanks to Jordan McConnell for sharing his story and for his work in developing Crohn's Veteran and creating a community that is expanding our understanding of how people are affected by IBD and also helping more patients to feel less alone. You can subscribe to the Crohn's Veteran podcast wherever you like to listen or connect on Instagram, Twitch, or YouTube. Their website is Crohn'sVeteran.com, where you can find all their social media information and their store. And I'll let you know, you can also find Colitis Veteran merchandise in the store as well. My goal with About IBD is to educate people living with IBD and to help foster community. The voices of men, and especially men of color, are not often heard in the IBD community. If you're interested in sharing your story, you can get in touch with me at AboutIBD.com. And you can find me on all social media as About IBD. As always, I will put these links in the show notes and on my episode 96 page on aboutibd.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Malintel Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Matt Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio. Thank you.